Hi, bonjour. I'm Gina Suru, and you're listening to the Paris International Film Festival podcast. In each episode, I dive into film distribution or filmmaker strategy or a challenge who's used a disruptive way to get meaningful films out there in these transition times. Whether you're a filmmaker excited to embrace on your normal or simply interested in hearing some filmmaking and distribution tips, this is for you. Today, I've spoken with Marcus E. Ako, the host of the Shoot the Breeze show on Resonance FM. Shoot the Breeze welcomes filmmakers from the UK and from around the world to discuss the film news and their achievements. Marcus is also the host of the Idiot on the Writer's blog on YouTube to provide tips for filmmakers who are just starting to write their first book. Hello everyone, bonsoir. It's a little late right now. It's actually an hour earlier in London because today I'm having, I'm very glad on the festival podcast, Marcus. He is actually a brilliant host on Resonance FM for Shoot Breeze. And this is actually his first interview. Bonsoir, Marcus. Bonsoir, Jenna. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're absolutely right. It's, I've been, I've been, I was mentioning to you, I've been doing podcasting for three years I've been doing a YouTube channel for about about three months now, and this is the first interview I've done on somebody else's podcast, on somebody else's show, uh, and I don't know what to do with myself. So, uh, so uh, usually I'd be asking you questions. I'd be saying, "So, Jenna, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling? Are you feeling <laughs> how are you feeling?" Well, I'm I'm feeling great, especially because I don't know about you, Marcus, but I feel there's been so much great news recently. For you, yes. It's like your your social media is blowing up every time there's a ping on my phone. It's it's basically uh, Paris International Film Festival is doing something wrong. Jenna Jenna Stewart is doing something else. L- Large Door has been nominated for the next festival. It's like it's just constantly. So can you stop getting successful so that other people can be successful? That's Please. the goal, right? That's let the goal. Other, yes, but let other people have a shot. Oh yes, absolutely. Do you know what's wonderful is that I feel the reason why we have so much great news is really because we are a community. And you know that because this is what you do with all your projects and obviously the show on Resonance FM is that you basically build a community and it's it's really like by yourself you're no one but together we're such a strong community and we support each other, we also share each other's work and obviously with the festival supporting our filmmakers is our is our main goal so so this is probably why you you, you hear a lot about us <laughs> and you're absolutely you're absolutely right that's one of the reasons why we do uh, shoot the breeze uh it, it because it's just an opportunity for i mean yes i would love to have a listers on there every week come to tell me about their latest blockbuster uh, television show or film or whatever um while i'm not at that point um however i'm at a point where i'm trying to make my own films i know a lot of people who are trying to make their own films and they don't get the opportunity to be on access hollywood or to be interviewed by variety so I have a platform. I happily welcome anybody who's making a film, a short film, a feature film, whatever, come to the show and we'll talk about it. My whole idea, my whole philosophy is I love talking about films and television. I can spend days, not hours, not minutes, days just talking about film and television. And I'd love to talk to anybody who wants to talk. So if you've got a project, you come and sit down with me and we'll chat and I'll be happy to support anybody. 
That's wonderful. Thanks so much. I'm sure our filmmakers, especially as we come closer to the edition, which is running early February, when we announce a selection, I'm sure they will love to have the opportunity to be on the show because it's a really big show in the UK and even in the world because anyone can hear from everywhere. And they love to discuss with you. And this is what I know I'm one of your record guests. So I'm actually kind of proud. I'm not hiding my pride. <laughs> you're, not a, you're, not a, you're not a guest anymore. Your family literally <laughs> is a case where we don't even have to be pleasant with you and, 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 and just be nice. It's literally you come in. It's like, it's Jenna. Jenna's back. Uh, just so tell us what wonderful thing have you been doing lately? Which country have you just flown, flown in from? Where is Large Door now uh, debuted in the festival? And it's, it's, so you're welcome. And it's obviously, it's great to have that little bit of glamour come into our show as well. Um, obviously, you have, you have to, you have one, you have, you have, you have the, the handsome beauty that's producer Dave. You have the beauty as well, that is Laura Sampson. And then you have the, the, the monster, the beast that is me. Just basically doing no, nothing but talking. And every now and again, because Laura Sampson, those of you who listen to the show, she's a brilliant storyteller. Uh, and she's now moving around and doing, she's she's sort of building up her career as a storyteller. Uh, so a lot of times she's not on the show anymore. Um, not that she's not on the show anymore. She just, she, she hasn't popped in, but she is going to pop in pretty soon. Laura, I'm holding you to it. As soon as you get a break, you yes, come back. Yes, no choice. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of time it's just myself and producer Dave just bickering at each other. So we need that glamour to step in and 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 break up all the machismo. And that's where you come in. So, so yeah, you're welcome back anytime. And we salute them, Florent, producer Dave. I know he doesn't like to be called like this, but it's quite funny. And I He's think right he doesn't have a choice anymore he's not here so he can't complain <laughs> exactly. and i feel this is what is wonderful about your show like we, we've had such great moments on your show whether it was announcing the opening night or just like talking film because at the end of the day we're all filmmakers and even our filmmakers for whom it's just their first short or their first feature they just love talking about film that's what we love to do right so you discuss film you discuss the news uh, also the filmmaking, like the more behind the scenes process. And I think our filmmakers, they also need that. Like they want to hear about all the tips and especially in these transitional times because it's second wave. The great news is that it looks we're gonna have a vaccine. So that's brilliant. That means next year is probably gonna be a lot of the glitz and really like just the achievement of, of achieving what we are preparing now. So I would love for you to tell us how, because, okay, Along the show, we didn't, we were not together on this show, on your show, Should the Breeze, just uh, to talk. We actually grew our own little endeavors, including a feature film called Pool of Couch, which I would love for you to talk about. And also how, because of lockdown, we couldn't film it, you couldn't have it done, but you've come up with really creative ways to still take great advantage of this transition time. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's the thing. It's you're and you're spot on with all of with all of what you're saying. Um, it, 2019 was a year where basically we, it, after having interacted with a lot of, you know, hardworking filmmakers such as yourself, Giles Alderson, Paul Knight, um, Tom uh, Patton, all of them who came on the show, the, the Shakespeare sisters. I mean, come on, those ladies. They they I I saw them. I was I want to grow up to be them. They basically, they, <laughs> their, their work ethic is amazing. After having spent the last couple of years interviewing them when they came on Shoot the Breeze, um, it, it essentially sparked my, um, my motivation to just get back into filmmaking and try and get films done. So I pretty much wrote up 
two different films, two different types of films. One was Atticus the Mighty, which was working with another excellent set of producers, which you definitely need to have on your show, uh, Vinny Vidi Film, uh, that is uh, Ooh, Natalie and Down. it was just before here. Yeah. That's pretty cool, yeah. And, and Ed and Ed Day Day, they are amazing filmmakers as well. They've got their own set of projects working. So we were working in tandem to get stuff done. So while they're working on a project, I'm not going to mention their project, but it's a big one. Honestly, if not for COVID, that would be a blockbuster epic coming out next year. Um, so they, they were working on that. I was working in tandem with them while working on two, of pro two projects of my own, Atticus the Mighty, which is like this big fantasy adventure film. Um, and Pull Out Couch, which is you you talked about, that was going to be my directorial debut, right? So yes. it's a nice, <clears throat> nice little um, psychological horror about this uh, emotionally abused wife who is who turns the tables on her abusive husband when she traps him inside a pull out couch. So we had everything pretty much set up, and you were coming on board. We were going to work together, producing it together, um, and effectively, 2020 was going to be the year I was going to go to Cannes and sell the picture and it'd be like yes we've got that's a goal yeah <laughs> and, and then this small thing called uh COVID-19 happened and uh and everything <laughs> <Just like that. laughs> yeah every can shut down and all, all the investors that were interested and in wanting to put themselves in the project were like no we don't know what's going on on so they pulled back and rightfully so because had any of them invited uh, you know had any of them uh, invested in the project at that time it would be problematic because we would not be able to shoot. We wouldn't be able to make, make the film. So I had to be shelved. And I knew I was going to go crazy because for years, I basically said that that was what I was going to do. I was going to be, be a filmmaker. I was going to make films. And I knew I was going to go crazy if I didn't do something with those ideas. <clears throat> so I don't know. I've always wanted to write books as well. I mean, it's been at the bottom of my list uh, sorry to say, but it's been at the bottom of my list because of the filmmaking stuff. I'm an actor, writer, producer, director, um, podcaster, radio host, everything, right? And then writing books was low. However, since pandemic kicked in and I could not leave my house, I figured I might as well start writing a book. Um, and I, But I didn't know how to write a book, right? Because writing scripts is completely different from writing a novel. Uh, so I turned to, you know, the, the, the one place that people our age always go to to learn new stuff, YouTube. So I went on to YouTube to start watching how I can write uh, a novel. <clears throat> and I found this wonderful um, YouTube channel called uh, I Writerly, led by this woman called Meg Latour. And she's brilliant. She's an ex-literary agent who's now turned author, released a steampunk novel called um, the, uh, uh, the, the Cyborg Tinkerer, amazing book. Uh, so I started following her lead, right? So, uh, and I figured, okay, how about I convert my films into a novel? That'll be the best thing to do. So I figured, what would be the best one to do? I could do Pull Out Couch as a novel, uh, but maybe the one that is far more flamboyant, far more adventurous, far, far grand, grander in scale. So I went with Atticus the Mighty. I turned that into a, into a novel. And as well, learning the process of making a novel, I started up a YouTube channel called The Idiot on the Writer's Block. Essentially, is, is, it's I, the idiot, asking experts uh, like Meglator and other authors and other publishers, you know, advice and tips on how to write, publish and promote my own first fiction novel. And that's been going on for like three months now. Uh, because of that, it, it sort of, that injected new life into my artistic endeavors because I could see that 
lockdown could not hold me at this point. I mean, lockdown is, and not necessarily lockdown, COVID itself is putting a stranglehold on pretty much every artistic um, market out there. So, I mean, you, you had to have been living under a rock if you didn't know that there were issues with various governments not being able to fund artists, right? In the UK, we, there was a massive outcry because um, there was this whole thing where the government had released an ad campaign. Well, no, it was a weird ad campaign. It was, it, it was a off-the-cuff statement that was made where it's saying, you know, people in, in the arts, should, maybe they studied and get better jobs, they wouldn't be suffering in pandemic, which is like, hold on, there are people in the arts who have studied for decades to get to where they are and are now suffering because of this. So yeah, so it was a stupid statement to make. I understand where they're coming from, but it's still a stupid statement to make. Um, so because of that, we, I know that COVID-19 has had a stranglehold on all creative markets, but it, I knew that I couldn't let that stop me. So that's why I started converting all of my scripts, my unpublished, un, you know, produced scripts into books so I can try and do that and launch myself as a novelist while I'm waiting for the lockdown to get lifted. I'm going to go back into filmmaking. Don't, honestly, don't. That's my first love. Yeah, that's my first love. And that's what I'm going to carry on with. And it's going to be the career I'm going to do at some point. Um, but at the moment, because I can't do that, or I say I can't, I personally can't do that. So I'm doing what I can. That's why I've started going into books. And that's why I have the YouTube channel now, The Idiot on the Writer's Block. I think that's so inspiring and actually really smart for two reasons. I think, um, first, you know how every year on Cannes, they have at the film festival in May, they had this quite big um, event that is called Shoot the Book. And it means that producers, mean publishers actually attending it at least once. I do have some books they offered me uh, from, I think, three years ago. And it's really smart because today a lot of producers or even distributors really appreciate like books that did really well in the book market and they want to make it a film, which is extremely smart because for many reasons you, you kind of also benefit from their own marketing. Our audiences are usually quite interested in seeing adaptations. I'm actually proud I was um, prized for my book, which is about adaptations of books to the screen. So it's a, it's a topic I think is really inspiring. And the second point is that as we are now into a lockdown again, shooting a book, for like writing a book to be shot later makes a lot of sense because it's safe. Also, it's a way to test your audience. And it's a way to know your audience better. Like if you release a book, even if it's a bestseller, obviously that's a really great, great, great uh, back for, for your film. But even let's say you only make a few, a few sales, that's only wonderful because you get to know your audience. You can speak about the story. And maybe even if a film is quite different in terms of medium, you get to understand your audience better. So you'll be your audience and you also maybe see what works, what doesn't work as much. So it's almost like, like, like a little test, right? You're absolutely right. I mean, writing books is, it is a, it's not a shortcut. Don't, you know, don't get it confused. It's not a shortcut to making films. And even though it's a longer way to get to the, the process of making film, what happens is, in fact, if, if anything, it's a longer way of getting to the film market. Because if I were to take a film, a script, and I write the script straight away, and I start working on getting that script made, um, I could go through all of the, you know, the hoops, the obstacles of trying to get a crew, get investment, and so on and so forth. And then I get the film made. So I'll get the film made quicker. However, eyeballs watching that film 
are far fewer than if I go down the book route. Now, I'm not saying that every book gets made into a film. However, if you keep that idea in mind and you keep that goal ahead of you and you say, look, this book that I'm writing is going to be turned into a film. Here's what will happen. It'll take longer to get to that film part. But when you write the book, if you can promote it well enough to a book audience, when they get, when you get that audience, you'll get some people who will watch it, who will read it, enjoy it. And they, you have those fans, you have those fans locked. Now, when you then go to your investors to try and get money to turn that into a film, immediately you can say, look at how many people have bought this book. We can convert it into a film. And we know that at least these people are going to be watching that film. You can't do that with a script, with a, with a spec script. You can't go and say, I can guarantee you these are people who have said that they enjoy it. Because obviously, yes, your aunt and your uncle and your cousin that you know has nothing better to do will read your script and they enjoy it. That's fine. Are they going to watch the movie? They'll probably get it for free when they come and see it at the premiere with you or when you're editing it. So they won't pay for it. However, if you've got people who've actually paid for your book, then you can actually guarantee your investors that this is a significant amount of people they will come and watch a movie as well. If your book is good enough and you can get it onto a few bestseller lists, again, that's more to do with promotion and popularity and so on and so forth. But just skip that side for a bit. If you happen to do that, that is all pedigree that is added to your product. So when you go to your investors and you say, look, this book was on three bestsellers. It won a couple of book awards. So when we turn it into a movie, we already have that marketing locked. Mm. I guarantee you, you'll get far more investment in that project at that point than if you went with a spec script. So that's the idea. The idea is basically me going through, taking Atticus the Mike, which we estimated the budget would have been about 30 million. There's no way I could have done that by myself. So when I was going to Cannes this year, the plan was to take it to Cannes to get a more experienced producer on board to try and hook up. And hey, if you know the story of it, it's basically about, um, it's this, this kid who's being told a story by three of his friends. Uh, and the story is about an interdimensional uh, warrior cop who recruits three friends to jump through different uh, dimensions to stop a maniacal warlord. I had Idris Elba as my, in my head as this sword-wielding interdimensional cop. So there's no way I can afford 30 million to get that done. My first project, I can't get that done, which is why Pullout Couch is going to be my first project. But my plan was to go to Cannes and try and sell that, try and get an investor interested in that. We try and get Idris Elba to have a look at it and then go from there. Now, obviously in hindsight, thinking about it, that was shooting for the moon, right? Effectively, because I don't have that sort of back catalog to be able to get Idris Elba involved. However, transferring that into a book, if I write the book and I can get someone close to Idris Elba to read it, mm -hmm. there is more of a chance of Idris Elba reading the book, seeing whatever popularity comes from that book, and then him saying, I like this book, I like the concept, I would like to produce this, or I know somebody who might like to produce this, and there's enough reputation behind the book to get that done. So it'll still take longer, and in fact, so much so that in the rewriting, and this is a tragic, it's only tragic for me because it's sad. Because I said, as an actor, I originally wrote the script with a part in mind for myself. Having transferred it into a book, I realized that it's better that that character is not my age. It is better that that character is a teenager. And as such, I can't play that part anymore. So that bit is sad for me. Um, <laughs> but obviously, sacrifices have to be made. So when I eventually make that movie, not only will I not be old enough to play the character, I'll be decades old, older than the character itself. But 
effect, eventually that film would then get made. I say that eventually, I'm always optimistic. But that's the reason why I've now gone to books. And the advice I would give to anybody who is struggling in this time, I feel your pain. I do. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I understand exactly what, what struggles you're going through. I know people who are going through exactly the same struggles. All I can say is keep your head up and just yeah, that, that whole advice of keeping your head on a swivel. Just look for another opportunity. Don't just lie down and say, take me. Just put your head on a swivel, duck, move to the side, try a different avenue. Guarantee you, you're more likely to find another creative way of utilizing your skills that will keep you afloat until we get over this pandemic and then you can get back on the horse and make a movie. That makes so much sense because really also the great perk about writing a book, well, first it's safe regarding the virus, but also it's almost free. Like you can, nowadays you can publish your book for free almost, like with, with Kindles, like with all the, you can even auto-publish yourself, you can self-publish. And I think, I think it's a great perk because making a film correctly is actually a lot of money, probably less than decades ago, but still a lot of money. So I think, as you say, you were looking for investors and, and fundings. And so I think the idea of first writing a book really make yourself just explore the universe. I think it's really smart. Maybe it doesn't suit every film. However, if we think of a lot of the biggest franchise or you know, the biggest films, Lord of the Rings, even Les Miserables, they're all books originally. They were not even yep. meant to be films. So, Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw in this caveat here because, again, and this is stuff that I've learned from having done the channel, the edit and the writer's block. Um, there are a lot of published authors out there. Or there are a lot of authors out there that as soon as you said writing a book is free, that are probably yelling right now into their devices. It is not free. <laughs> technically, yes, you can type up something and put it on the Internet and that's you having published a book. So technically, you can do free books but it is difficult to, you know, I'm just going to put that caveat in there that you do spend money in order to get, a, if you want to get your book seen by the majority of people, you will have to spend money. But that's the same thing with anything, right? Even with films, uh, even making films, uh, you, yes, technically you can shoot a film for free. You can take a film or your, your iPhone and you can shoot your iPhone, shoot a film on an iPhone, um, you, you know, and spend virtually nothing and try and get that into festivals. Technically, you can do that. It won't necessarily take you far. You need to put some investment into it to do that. So I'm just going to let you know, those of you who are considering going down the book route, from what I found, it is not free. But Jenna is right. It is, uh, a, it is a lot less um, costly than it is to make a film. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, spoke to a number of, uh, we, working, when we were working on uh, Pull Out Couch, um, again, asking advice from various experienced filmmakers like Giles Alderson and Dom Lenoir. And uh, I told them the idea, pitched them the idea, and they asked me what my budget was. And at the time it was like 150,000. And they looked at me like I was crazy uh, because they said 150,000, you can do that for a lot cheaper. You can do that for 50,000. So even with, you know, uh, with what we had in mind, 150, the budget actually went up to 250,000 afterwards because we wanted to bring someone else on board that would obviously, and that's the thing, in order to be able to get our film into the right markets for it to excel, we need certain things and that costs money. Yes, so yes. a lot of that stuff. So that, and that's the same thing with the novels. However, it is far less costly doing a novel than it is a film um, because for 50,000, your book will go, will go everywhere. 
Um, not saying that you have to spend fifty thousand. You can spend less than that. You can, if you, you can basically put a budget of maybe around five thousand, and you can get your book to a look, you know, into the right hands, into the right markets, polished to be effective. Because you have to pay for things like, um, I mean, I'm not saying you have to, but you can pay for things like editorial services. Uh, you know, people editing your books. The publishing aspect, even if you're going down self-publishing route, you can go with people like Ingram Spark, where you have to pay for certain things in order to be able to get it on Kindle and Amazon and so on and so forth and in various libraries. So there's still an element of payment there. But Jenner is right. It is absolutely far less costly doing a novel than it is doing a feature film. Yes, yes, for sure. Also, like making a feature film, <laughs> it takes a whole cast and crew, so obviously... You can you can really make a film for free, but then it's I mean it's it's really different. Like usually our filmmakers will also have a team and they want to be fair with everyone. So whereas when you're writing, at least in the writing process, you can be by yourself. So so I think you're it's right. really really yeah. good. It's it's really it's really good because now it's a great alternative when you you're not allowed to film or when you're not really allowed to go out or it's just not safe. It's a great alternative to explore this universe. Absolutely. So, that's really interesting. And there's a second point I want to touch upon, which I think is really connected with what you say, is that you've been a host on this, on this podcast, on this really big radio show, Resonance FM, for three years. And I guess you, you, you always mention how inspired you are by your guests. And at the end of the day, this industry, at least the film industry that I know more, is a lot about community and a lot about teamwork. So it's also something that is really challenging now because our our filmmakers, they have to isolate themselves. They have to isolate. So being part, you can still be a part of a community in the distance, but do you have any tips for that? Because that's definitely something that's really important. How can they network? What, what would be your tips? Okay, so networking for filmmakers, obviously because with the lockdown, especially in the UK, um, where we are fully locked down now. I mean, it, it's a point, it, this is only till December, but there are rumors that it might go past December. So actually going out and working is problematic. You can't really go and hang out in bars. Like, you know, like the Rain Dance uh, Film Festival, Rain Dance Festival had this amazing thing, which was the meat, I, I can't remember, is, is, is a meat and drink or something along those lines. Uh, but you can go on the website. Um, they're an amazing organization and they hosted these things every month uh, where filmmakers could just come in, meet, have drinks, talk to each other, meet Elliot and, and get advice from different people. So that was great. But since you can't do that now, I know there are various forums that you can jump on to be able to get that. Um, there's one that uh, Natasha Marburger um, used to run. I, I, does she still run that? I'm going to throw that to you, yes, uh, Jenna. Yes. Um, does she still think, do that? I think they're more connected with festival. I, I can't speak for her, but I do remember she did host a lot of events in London. And I yeah. think now they're also incorporated with the festival, but there are really important ways to connect with other filmmakers, for sure. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's one way. Other ways are just, you know, just, it, in fact, the one method I would recommend is just be proactive, reach out. Um, you, you reach out to filmmakers that are receptive to discussing with people and self, selfish, self, you know, plugging here but reach out to the shoot the breeze uh, instagram page is shoot the breeze show yeah at, at shoot the breeze show reach out just say hi i'm a filmmaker i'd like to meet other filmmakers we are happy to just say hey here are some filmmakers you can introduce yourself to or when you're free book yourself on you know we'll be happy to book you on the show 
give you a 10 minute spotlight segment on the show. We do it every Friday uh, or we do, we release the show on Resonance FM and as a podcast on Mondays. We'll be happy to give you a spotlight shout out and you say, hey, this is a new filmmaker doing some good stuff. Who is interested? Reach out, put the social media out, out there. Um, it's the way we met um, great filmmakers. Like I, I've rattled off names, but I'll, I'll keep on rattling more names because the three years we've met tons of people. Mitch Tolliday is someone who um, had a brilliant short film uh, last year, maybe the year before called Everything is Going to be Fine. And they're now turning it into a feature film called Murder Balance. They, they just oh. had a crowdfunding uh, thing that just finished uh, on Greenlit. And they're great. Giles Olsen is part of that project as well. It's a funny, funny idea. And he's a filmmaker who started off as an editor, got to know him through another filmmaker, Bijang Tong, who's um, he's doing amazing things. Bijang did his first film a couple of years ago. He's now a great executive producer in Hong Kong. And he's doing a feature film kind of around lockdown where he's, he's got different people across the globe. So he's got Xander Berkeley, the actor Xander Berkeley. Wow. Recognize him from 24. Uh, and a whole bunch of other other stuff. Um, uh, he's he's the American actor in there, and they're connecting with actors in the UK and actors in China. And it's just he, it's an amazing project, um, which he, it's come together. So we that's what we do. We connect actors together, and we're happy to do that. So you know, if you're looking for a way to connect with other people, and you're fil if you're a filmmaker, you feel lost, and you're looking for a way to connect to other people, I'm just gonna throw this out there reach out to us on Shoot the Breeze show on Instagram or on Twitter, which is STB underscore Resonance FM. Just shoot, a, shoot us a line. Just say, hey, I'm a filmmaker. I feel lost. Can you connect me with someone? We'll be happy to do that for you. I'll connect you to yeah. any one of the filmmakers I know and just say, hey, Tom Payton, this is blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Say hi. Tom will probably say, dude, why the hell are you giving my details out to people? Uh, but I'll be like, look, I don't know. He That's said great. he wanted to meet a filmmaker. You're a prolific filmmaker. I figured you guys can do stuff together. And he'll say, okay, fine. And then uh, a year later, I'll find out they're both in camp together without me. And so <laughs> I won't talk better about it. It's okay. But that's what I would say. I'd say mm -hmm. if you are a filmmaker yeah. at this point and you feel lockdown has just basically got you cut off or you're feeling, you know, low and, uh, you know, unattached and you're just isolated, Jenna, you're absolutely right. Filmmaking is a community. Um, when you're making a film, yes, you can do a film all by yourself. I've done that. I have a short film called uh, Idle Babysitting, which I shot and did everything apart from the music all by myself. It's it's fun. I liked it. It's on YouTube. You can just go, go type in Idle Babysitting. You see it. Um, oh, we are. We are doing that, it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is that is a that, that's a that's a you know one of those exception kind of situations. As a filmmaker, you want to interact with other people, and you should because it helps you with your creativity. It helps you with your art. Um, yes. Just reach reach out to people. Reach out to filmmakers online. Jump on you know networking sessions online. Zoom sessions. Keep safe. Obviously, don't just walk out into the street. And if you do walk out into the street, keep your mask on and wash your hands. But, yeah, you know, if you don't want to go out the house, reach out to Shoot the Breeze show on Instagram and we'll happily try and connect you to as many people as we can. That, that's really generous. Thank you so much. And I so agree with you, not just for being a guest on your show, because I absolutely love, you know, how you got, you got just tons of comments from our listeners who tweet, 
Uh, so you can you can twitch to the Breeze show and we'll make sure to incorporate your details of our social media handles in the description of this podcast. And what's wonderful is that I think it's just great to feel this community and to answer questions. I actually also, as a listener, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and interviews. Obviously, should the Breeze also some others um, which I find on Apple Podcasts or even on panels. And I think the great perk about it is that um, it's great to, to meet someone in person. What is wonderful about an interview is that you really get to know the person. You know, you get to know through their inspirations, um, the way they work, how they work. And I think something really important in this industry, and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this, Marcus, is that you should always be really authentic and just not hide yourself, but just know people for who they are and build your community with people who, who like to work like you. And I think listening to your interviews and all your guests are really amazing. Like I've connected with lots of them, even Alana, obviously the Shakespeare sisters, and that we're almost like twins now. Yeah. <laughs> twins the sisters. Because like, and also I think it's great to just be able to get to hear them on their projects. So you can better connect. Because it's all about the quality, really, of the relationships and your connections. And you really have, like, the most amazing guests. And I feel also um, something that's really important is to, because I mentioned it's good to, to get to meet people who you want to work with. Maybe these people won't be the people you think. You should try something new, you know? Like, it's always good to get on a new panel you've never you've never heard of, or on this show you've never heard of, like if you've never heard of Shoot the Breeze, if you actually get to listen to their interviews, you might just meet amazing filmmakers, like it's great to build your community, but you have to be also open to just welcoming new talents in your life, so Absolutely. I think that's really important. Absolutely, I agree 100% with what you're saying. Yeah, it's exactly, it's like, I think it's what's so incredible also about the festival and your show is that we do have several categories of it's like we do have very several inspirations and our audience and our filmmakers are worldwide. So you get to know people you probably wouldn't have met in other circumstances. And I think that's really important. When you think about it, how with your films, you need to have such a unique voice to make it heard because it's so competitive. I think just meeting new people, this is what inspires you. This is what makes your film unique. And this is really all that you need. I love that in our community, like with the festival, we have filmmakers like talents from everywhere in the world and also from completely different backgrounds inspiration some are not even in the film industry but they are very big cinephiles like some of your listeners and yeah. i think this makes us so so rich and and i love this and i love that on your show you have uh, some filmmakers who come and speak about their projects which are in horror some like the sister have more like coming out of age films and I think that really brings something really authentic and really, it's very rich. And I really appreciate that. I really relate with that. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, 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 the guests are diverse genres. Um, I mean, even talking about Pull Out Couch, that, the, the origin of that story was because uh, one, of the, one of the guests that had come on to promote her uh, project, uh, Micah Sky Blue, uh, she was coming on to, pre uh, to promote True Horror, uh, True Horror pictures where she was going to try and do a Dracula story and that project sort of had its issues and then we would we kept in touch and effectively we just said look let's how about we work together on another project and I pitched the idea of pull out couch 
she liked the idea. She gave some of her own inspiration and we worked together, just sort of work through what kind of things, you know, that built the story together and Pull Out Couch pretty much emerged. So she's doing wondrous things as well. Uh, and then Bijang Tong, I've mentioned already, we've, we've been talking about for years to try and work together. We were going to work together on this one project, but again, COVID and some other things kind of came in. But it's sort of, you get to meet, what I, for me personally, um, the show has been magnificent for me because unconsciously I built this family of or this rather's community around the show that when they whenever they have their own projects and they want a platform to talk on they just message me straight away and say hey I've got this project I'm working on can I just quickly come and do like 10 minutes on your show I'm like dude absolutely yes lady come down we'll talk about it I'm just happy to talk to people about films and because of that that just kept happening and I've worked and talked to different people so many people talk about Paul Knight. Um, he, he's got he he's a great filmmaker as well. If you want to talk about someone who you give him constraints to get a film done, he'll do it. He did. He shot uh, his film Twenty Four Hours in London in eight days, <clears throat> and you watch the film, you're like, how do you get all the gun? You know the the uh, the action sequences and the cop chases and the robberies and everything going on in you shoot all of that in eight days. He came on, he talked about his projects and, you know, other people connected that way. Tom Payton, he's, a, I call him prolific, one of the most prolific British filmmakers uh, around because he just, he bangs out a movie a year. Um, he, in his five-year career, he had done six or seven movies a couple of years ago. I mean, he's, and he's constantly trying to push the envelope. Um, he, the last time he was on the show, he was talking about one of his uh, pictures, uh, The Ascent, I believe it was, uh, was one of the first uh, VR premieres, had the first VR premiere, where because of COVID lockdown, you can't obviously go to the cinema, so you just put a VR headset on, and you're at the yeah. cinema, you're watching it. It's great. So yeah, you get to meet, just as you said, the good thing about the film community is you get to interact with a whole bunch of people who have various experiences that you will never experience on your own without getting yourself involved in their world, which is why in order to become a great filmmaker, you need to be out in the world. And unfortunately, lockdown is not allowing people to do that. So do it virtually, you know, connect online, connect through social media, just be safe. And we'll be happy to connect you with as many people as we can. Absolutely, I so agree. And as our audience is, and really we are very international, well, at least connecting online is quite efficient and you can meet anyone. And I think it's really also the power of what we do is that we can really like build this community, which is really diverse. And talking about diversity, for us, diversity is really important because we want to show new bold voices and they're coming from everywhere. So we try to also champion social change. Um, so I would love to hear, Marcus, your thoughts about, you know, like all those, um, we hope that it's becoming less and less true, but for instance, a lot of, um, aspiring filmmakers who really want to become filmmakers, but first they're not rich or they're not, um, you know, in the, the usual people we can see as directors, uh, we really champion female filmmakers, uh, obviously coming from every background, every origin, even geographically sometimes living in very remote places. Um, I would like you to tell us what you would like to tell them to encourage them to still take action and, and make them understand that their voices are really needed. Okay, so first things first, I will say it's not easy. It is not easy at all. Um, 
you probably already know this. If you're uh, if you're a person of color, if you're a woman, if you're uh, you know uh, differently abled, you will know that it is not easy to get into the industry. Uh, it is an industry, especially in especially in this part of the world. I mean, we, we're, we're based in the UK. I'm based in the UK at the moment. Obviously, there are other people who are going to be listening to this that are based in other parts of Europe, in America, who may find experiences different. Uh, I can talk about being in the UK. It is not easy getting to the industry because predominantly there is one particular uh, racial type that is, uh, you know, that the industry has catered to for decades. And even with all the best efforts to try and correct that, it's literally, imagine, just visualize it this way, you are trying to push a ship that's in water with your bare hands, right? Eventually, with enough people pushing it and with somebody steering the boat, you might eventually turn it in the right direction, but it's going to take a while. That's not excusing what is going on at the moment, because I believe there should be far more diversity out there. I feel there should be more diversity in front and behind camera. Uh, in front of camera, definitely there should be more diversity because we see immediately. So young kids will see people that look like them on screen and say, I can do that too. Because if you don't see that, if you're seeing somebody's completely different from you, subconsciously, you're beginning to think, well, that's not me. I could never be that. But when you see somebody who looks like you, it's one, one of the reasons why something like, you know, a lot, there was a section of the market that was very reticent as the fa at the fact that Black Panther a few years ago got as much of a recognition as it was. We would always get on the show, we would get people tweeting me and, and the others on the show, um, David and Laura, and saying they don't understand. It's like, yeah, they're not trying to be racist, but why is there that big push about Black Panther? Of course, there were other superheroes. What I would say to that argument is name, name ethnic, uh, you know, color, you know, superheroes, you know, that are not white, just name them. And they're like, oh, of course there was like Blade. I'm like, okay, I'll give you Blade, Blade, what else? Uh, Hancock, and it's like the fact that you're struggling to think of somebody who is a superhero that is not white, the fact that you're struggling and you can't just rattle it off, if I were to reverse that and say, name a superhero that's white, easy, Captain America, Black Widow, uh, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, you're, big, you're easy, you, even without thinking about it, you can rattle it off. However, it's difficult for you to rattle off uh, characters of color. Now, if we want to even dissect that even further and you go down to look at Blade, for example, um, there's all there's you've got Blade, but you also have his not handler, but his um, his mentor slash the person who took care of him, Whistler, who's a white person. There's also that aspect of the fact that you have a black character, a black superhero who has to be supported by a white character, a white smarter character who has to bring them in, and it's that does something to your psyche. Um, black Panther, on the other hand, essentially put all the superheroes, all the characters of power as black people so they weren't they didn't need white people to be able to advance that was why something like black panther was so important now i'm saying that pushing into the idea that you need to have that kind of diversity in front of camera but also behind camera because when you have writers who are you know of an ethnic diversity they will have those ideas they will have those experiences to be able to write the stories for people of diversity to be able to be put in front of camera. You need directors who have the eyes to be able to see that experience and be able to put that on screen so that it can be done. You need producers who have to be able to say, okay, 
I'm going to try and make sure that this works and have the story told in the right way so that people of color, people, women, transgender people can see themselves in those characters on, or in, you know, on screen. So you can't just have just people in front of camera as being diverse and then have everyone behind the camera being a specific you know, type because those people are going to be seeing that interaction in a different way, which obviously other people will see and say that's false. And so that's why you need diversity both in front and behind camera. So to answer your original question, which I didn't, uh, your original question was, what would I say to people who are coming up, who are facing those difficulties? I would say, just stay strong. Um, I, know it's, I know it's easy to say, stay strong, but just don't let them get you down because the more you hammer at that door, the more rejections you take. In fact, I would say, take every rejection as just flip it, just take it as a notch on your belt. Just say, okay, I got rejected. Maybe it's because I'm black. Maybe it's because I'm a woman. Fine, that's one rejection. I'm the next rejection. In the next two years, I had 35 rejections. The reason why I'm saying you're knocking that up is because the moment you get that one step, there's an acceptance and you step in front, you're gonna be stepping into that situation saying, I got 35 rejections and I'm here. So what I'm going to do is the next person is coming up the ladder. I'm going to make sure that when they come to me and I see that that's what it is, I'm not going to make that rejection. I'm not going to have them rack up that rejection count. I will bring them up the ladder and just keep doing that. So that's essentially what I'd say. I'd say if you're just starting out, just keep the mentality that every rejection should make you stronger and keep doing it. There are people behind the scenes who are trying to make it better. There are advocates trying to make it better. Uh, one person in particular that we've been in contact with that comes on the show, great agent. I call her super agent, Iki El Amriti. She's super agent from uh, IAG commercials, IAG talent. And she's an advocate for Black Lives Matter, for um, representation in front of screen. She can talk far, far more eloquently than I can on this subject. And there people like her who actually are out there trying to push and trying to get the people who pull strings to steer that ship in the right direction. So there are people out there, which is why I'm saying, don't get disheartened. There are people working to try to make it easier. All you need to do is just be there so that when they finally can push the door and the door becomes unlocked, you're there ready to run in. Can you imagine if you decide, I'm not gonna do it because I'm a woman and as a woman, I need to go and do something else that people society finds it as appropriate for a woman to do and you quit and then you go back and start doing that and then six months time it becomes available for a woman director to direct a movie where you could have been there had you stayed your ground you don't want to be that person so all i say is stand your ground keep doing it keep notching up those rejections because at the end of the day when you finally make it it'll be a great story to tell you just basically say hey I took 150 rejections and I was here. You become that meme that was going around that when you get to a certain age, and I'm sure social media does that on purpose. When you get to a certain age, um, it's the meme that goes around and says, if you're feeling disappointed that you haven't made it at 30, here's a list of all the people that ha didn't make it until we were 30. And you get Oprah, and you get Tina Fey, and you get uh, Alan Rickman and whatnot. And then you get start to approach 40. And then the new meme comes around, which is, if you're 40 and you haven't made it, don't be disappointed. There are these people. And the list gets shorter and shorter, but there are still people on there like Samuel L. Jackson and uh, Morgan Freeman and Alan Rickman and so on and so forth. 
it, it's a joke, but it has a kernel of truth to it. Just stay in there. If you really believe that this is where you need to be, you'll get there. Just stay in there. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely love that. I think this is wonderful. I, I'll definitely include the Paris Festival with advocates of diversity. And I think what you say is really, really inspiring to say that even if you get a rejection, and we all know that a lot of firms go to the same category of a population, um, a very few females likewise, um, well, they don't really have access to a lot of funds and it's the same story. Well, it's actually really inspiring to know that this, it's actually a great story to tell later. And it's also probably, probably a way to get better. Like I know that one of them, the things that really motivated to get there, I mean, it's a little sad to say it, but I'm actually, I feel very thankful for it is that I thought I will be young and I will be a woman, but I'm going to learn everything. Like my first internship, it was at Panavision. I learned, I learned, you know this, but I, I learned acting. I learned script writing. I, I learned directing. Like I, I tried to really learn the business, everything. So I ended up for my first feature to have many roles, but the truth is that I could talk about all these things and I could have a, a serious conversation with every heads of department. And I think people did do get respect for that. I think at the end of the day, there is a special place for those who still handling there. And let's have a think about even Parasite is the first non-English film that won an Academy Award. And I think now with Netflix and all our more international audiences, our audiences, they're craving for new stories. And I think it's important to think about your audiences, not just the industry, because obviously the industry is what it is for now, but it's also changing. But our audiences, they want new stories. So they want your voice out there. And I think the, your advice are really important because it's a lot about support and, and really solidarity. I think it's also a lot about education. So really like listening to uh, Marcus show is really important because you will get to know new talents. You will get to know new experiences. And, and really right now, we don't really have an excuse, right? Now we're in lockdown. It's even now or never. So we can, we can get that, um, that, that knowledge. And also maybe a message for everyone who is listening and who is not part of diversity. I think it's really important for you also to educate yourself. Think about your favorite films. Who is behind them? Um, are you sure you really care about your audiences? Because your audiences, whether you like it or not, is also a lot of women, a lot of people of color. So if you really respect your audiences, you should, you should know about what they like, you should know about their history, their struggles. And I think it's a question I always love to ask people. We know when we are in the interview process, before I kind of hire them or have them on my team, I always ask them how, how, how it was working with women before. And I can guarantee you, the answer is always very interesting. <laughs> Hearing them talk about, you know, over people. And I think, you know, especially, I don't want to be too particular, but if you're a white male, you know, in your 30s and you live in a big city, think about all these things, you know, and think about when you request something. Just think about, you know, your audiences and how they feel and think about just all this, just reflect on that. Because I think it makes a big difference. And whether you like it or not, it, you might get blocked someday. And I think it's really, it's really good because as you say, we're really big advocates of change. And I think it's just really fair because first it, it's the right thing, but also because our audiences, they want to hear these new voices. So I think it's, it's really, really inspiring. So you've been really generous with your time, Marcus. I just want, um, of course you can add in if you would like, but there's something we always like to ask our guests, which okay. is uh, because we're set in Paris, 
and Paris is a very inspiring city, we want to ask you, what does Paris inspire you? Or have you ever traveled here? Paris is a place I haven't been to yet. Um, I, I've been to Cannes, but I haven't been to Paris. Um, I want to get, I want to get to Paris because whenever I visualize Paris, I, there are two things, two film, two types of films really pop into my head. Um, one of them is basically any Woody Allen film where he references Paris, obviously. Um, but also this film called, ah, oh, and it's lost, it's, it's skipped my, my brain. It's, uh, I can't remember the name of the film, but it's got Jean Reno in it. It's got Kevin Klein. It's got, um, Meg Ryan in it. Oh, wow. French Kiss, that's it, French Kiss. Um, and it, the, 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 the film is it's about this American woman who's afraid of traveling and she, she's afraid of flying, but she braves, gets on a plane to fly to Paris because her boyfriend is, she thinks her boyfriend is breaking up with her to go out with this French woman. So she gets on the plane and flies to Paris and then meets a French con man who played by Kevin Klein. And it was, it, it was, it, it just stuck in my head. And I, and because of that movie, I want to go to Paris. Um, <laughs> I, I've never been, I want to. I just walk and breathe, breathe and know it. I'll breathe it. I'm like, that's just what I expected. But I, I want to go there because of all the films that I grew up watching that have romanticized Paris. I know it's probably not going to be the same as in the movies, but I want to go. I'm a, I'm a, a long, I'm, I'm a long advocate wanting to go to Paris. I want to go. I haven't been yet, but I'll, I'll go. I'm so excited now because I feel that when you come, uh, we're going to talk together. Yeah, Paris is waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, we have Eiffel Tower of us. <laughs> that is amazing. Sure. Um, yeah. They... <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. I'm really excited. It's so funny you can but not Paris before, not yet, not yet. Not yet, not, not yet. Not yet. film I was thinking of, Midnight in Paris. <laughs> I, like, I love this film, I really love this film. So thank you so much, Marcus, you've been so generous with your time. I want to encourage all our listeners to listen to Shoot the Breeze just because it's really it's a wonderful show to learn about film, TV, the news, but also to meet the greatest of people. So we'll put all your details in the description so you can listen to them and never, really never hesitate to be in touch, right, Marcus? Maybe Twitter is good, we can drop your tweet or maybe an Instagram story. Absolutely, drop drop me drop me a tweet on uh drop us a tweet on stb underscore resonance fm uh instagram is easy because there's all of us that's on instagram is shoot the breeze show um and hey give some love to the youtube channel it's me and my face it's the idiot on the writer's block uh you know i'm also also on instagram i o n writer's block just go watch some of the videos and I'll happily interact with you. But yes, if you're a filmmaker and you want to check out Shoot the Breeze, probably the quickest one for, for you would be Instagram, Shoot the Breeze Show. That's wonderful. And it's also part of the education we talked about. So we really appreciate this. Thank you so much for like meeting these great people and sharing their experiences with us. I really appreciate that. Not a problem. I'll be happy to come back anytime, even if it's just to sit here and listen to you talk. Oh, thank you. Well, I'm really thankful. Yeah, we have a great time doing this. So thank you so much, Marcus. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Take care. Here you go. It's already over. 
the Truth Appreciate team will love for you to drop them a tweet on Twitter or share an Instagram story. As for the Paris International Film Festival, our submissions are still open and we love to hear from you on social media. Don't be a stranger. À très bientôt.